Speaking of pledges to protect the environment, in Your Money Today, Caroline Wright is going to take a look at how climate change could be changing investor attitudes. Good morning, Caroline. Yeah, good morning. According to the European Union Climate Change Service, the summer of 2023 was the hottest on record. Added to that, during the recent black rainstorm, the Hong Kong Observatory reported an hourly rainfall of over 158 millimetres, the highest since records began in 1884. So I think it's fair to say climate change is affecting all of our lives. But how is it affecting our investments? I'm joined now by Corinne Hearn, who is Chief Sustainability Officer at East Capital Group, to find out. Thanks for joining me today, Corinne. Hi, good morning. So let's kick off with a look at what we mean when we talk about climate risks, because there are different types, aren't there? There's acute or, or chronic physical climate risks. So can you help explain those? Yes, of course, with pleasure. Um, first of all, by the way, uh, it's not only the summer, but September is also looking like being the hottest month in, on record in the world. But then when we're talking about these averages, it's, it's one thing because it does have an impact and we're going to talk about it. But what is more important is to think about the number of extreme heat days. And on this one, we also have a number of records. It has obviously implications for people, but it also have implications for, for investors. But as you were saying, yeah, so when we, when we talk about climate risk, we speak about two different kinds of risk to start with, which are mitigation risk, i.e. the cost or the risk it takes for companies and countries and, and communities to go to a system where there would be less carbon involved. And then we talk about uh, physical risk and physical risk. I mean, obviously, it makes more sense. It's maybe easier to understand what we mean by that. But within physical risk, we indeed have uh, make a difference between what we call chronic um, physical risk and and uh, acute physical risk. So chronic physical risk is related to this long-term shift in climate patterns. So for instance, where you have sustained higher temperatures or you have um, uh, sea level rise and, and, and so forth, while uh, the acute physical risk are related to more like event-driven, like we saw in Hong Kong uh, two weeks ago, uh, where you have basically um, extreme increased severity of and, and frequency of extreme weather events. And here, I would like to mention, I'm sure that, uh, that a lot of people have heard about it, that we have this thing called El Nino. And El Nino weather patterns uh, is we are entering a new El Nino weather pattern. So what does El Nino means? It happens every it depends now, actually, the frequency of it as well has been changing. So when it makes it hard to model, but it's coming up, uh, it's coming back now. It will peak usually around uh, December. El Nino is actually related to the fact that it's 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 the Spanish word for to speak about Jesus and it's about Christmas and it's coming from the 1600 in in, uh, in South America. But the thing is, uh, we it's going to be drier in some places around the world and it's going to be wetter in some other places around the world. So that's kind of cyclical events. But let's get back to the recent events in Hong Kong and have a look at how those have impacted the economy here. How severe are, are these kind of events becoming? Very severe indeed. Um, look, the numbers I've seen now for um, uh, for the black rain we had in Hong Kong was around three billion uh, Hong Kong dollars, uh, but it's of course a bit too early to to say. Uh, but I, I can be, we can talk about other numbers. We can talk about the fact that, for instance, uh, we also had like 
very severe wildfires in in Europe uh, this summer. Um, and uh, now the numbers are that we're talking about is 4 billion uh, euros. Uh, we can also speak about the fact that in the US, for instance, uh, already this, like, up, I mean, we're just September, uh, but it's also a record year in terms of uh, claims from uh, insurance companies, uh, where we, and, and the total is already 56 billion dollars of damages, of which actually many are not insured, which is, of course, another issue uh, that you need to take into consideration for, for financial systems. Uh, for a number of reasons, actually, a lot of the weather-related loss and damages are, are not insured. Wow. So let's talk about how investors should approach handling these risks, because clearly there are huge sums of money involved. Indeed. So, you know, what is interesting about that is that actually investors uh, historically and still now spend more time discussing and, and focusing on uh, this mitigation risk, the one I was mentioning in the beginning, because I actually personally think it's got to do a little bit with the fact that this is, of course, the main priority, because what we're seeing today is only the beginning of what we're going to see uh, more and more. And if we don't do something about actually reducing the emission of greenhouse gases in our system, the climate risk will become bigger. And that's why we are uh, kind of almost, I'm not saying we're ignoring that fact, but of course, in terms of priority, we, for instance, as a responsible investor and owner in many companies, we spend more time pushing companies to, to reduce their emissions than, than we speak about uh, adaptation risk. But unfortunately, um, I mean, there are two parts here. Number one is to actually try to understand and assess the risk. And, and when we do that, we need to, we, talking to companies, we need to require, for instance, disclosure, which is still very little. So I saw this interesting data point recently that looking at the US, um, on the US listed companies that uh, you had uh, twice as many uh, comments on uh, mitigation risk or transition risk, sorry, than we had on um, on physical climate risk. So that's one thing. Second thing is to, uh, as I said, to try to assess the the scope and the vulnerability. It's very difficult, for instance, because in some companies you have a lot of assets spread around the world. And also when you're looking at this, you know, trying to model that. I mean, yes, you can model the increased uh, frequency of these weather events, but you don't really know the scope. You don't know where it's going to hit. Um, so if this is really difficult. Actually, the uh, chronic physical risks are a bit easier. So, for instance, we do have this data point that in the U.S. you have something between 300 to 500 billion dollars of properties which are at risk of sea level rise by 2050. Um, but the, um, um, you get, again, the accrued uh, physical risk are harder. And then what you can do, of course, is, you know, portfolio shifts. That's what we're doing when we allocate money, i.e. investing into companies which are more resilient uh, because they are more better prepared. Uh, but also invest into uh, solution providers. Um, so, for instance, one of the companies we, we, we invest into is, is in Chinese uh, um, largest uh, AC uh, air conditioning provider in the world. Uh, because uh, when you see what happened in, in Europe this summer, uh, interesting, only 10% of European households have, uh, have an air conditioning at home. Uh, they will need, everybody's going to need an air conditioning at home.
So uh, yeah, you can do uh, uh, that, that kind of things. And we also, for instance, investing in in uh, district cooling uh, companies uh, provider, a district cooling services provider in in the Middle East. So you can you can invest, of course, in solution providers, and you invest into companies which are more resilient. However, Caroline, I would like to say that basically, according to a lot of statistics and scientific research, all companies are going to be affected or are somewhat already affected. Most communities around the world will be affected, so um, the um, the uh, the scope of the of the uh, of the problem is is so big that you know we will expect to hear much more about it going forward. I don't think we can afford, uh, avoid it, can we? There's just so much change going on now. Just quickly before we go, it's uh, New York Climate Week coming up. W- what are we expecting there? Any big news from that? Well, yeah, it's it's ongoing. So it started uh, on the 17th. Uh, look, it's an important event because um, you also have, uh, it's in connection with the UN General Assembly. So you have a lot of uh, heads of uh, different states and different like government representatives. So it provides the opportunity as well for um, both investors, business leaders to have a dialogue with uh, with um, governmental represent- government representatives. And now increasingly, you know, what the problem is as well is, is the regula- I mean, regulatory risk for investors, regulatories for companies. So it's very important to have a level playing field. And, uh, and then there will be probably a number of announcements. There is a climate accelerator, Summit, I think, with uh, that has uh, been um, uh, invited by the um, by the UN General Secretary, uh, and this is important as well ahead of COP28, which is coming up in the uh, UAE uh, soon. Okay, so let's hope that we get some of these uh, big wigs getting their cases together and sorting out the environment to help us a little bit, as well as everyone else getting involved. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today, Kareen Hearn, Chief Sustainability Officer, at East Capital Group.